0: You are listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast, a podcast where a couple friends sit and talk around the fire after everyone else has gone to bed. Grab a drink and join us as we discuss everything from famous explorers, artificial intelligence, and what is the meaning of life. Many of us wish to travel amongst the stars and see new planets, to colonize and begin new worlds that are light years away. But in order to find these distant celestial bodies, we must pierce deep into the void of space. How do scientists take telescopes and view planets millions of light years away? Well, the gravity. And before I tell you how us humans are using stars to see planets, Nick, how are you and what are you drinking? I am just drinking some boring old Gatorade, how about you? I'm feeling pretty good drinking some Nine branded bourbon. And uh, Nick, we're going back to space. Woo! I've picked a hell of a podcast to to (laughs) not drink to. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. We've all heard, read, or seen articles or videos of scientists proclaiming that they know what exoplanets look like. That they might have renderings or photos made of a planet millions of light years away from Earth which many people say that's impossible. There's no way nor any current technology that allows humans to see that far. You would be wrong. In fact, the technology being used to do the seemingly impossible is in fact founded in some of the oldest physics ever, gravity. Let us start with an OG in physics, Einstein. All roads may lead to Rome, but it seems all physics lead back to Einstein. Einstein describes space as a fabric fabric that could be bent, distorted, merely by gravity, and talked about a phenomenon in a set of unpublished calculations in 1912 that gravity itself could be used as a lens, similar to a magnifying glass or a telescope. But it wouldn't be till Ornus Koshchov in 1924 and Frankensick Link in 1936 that would publish on these theoretical phenomena. Many of you may be familiar with the analogy that space is like a stretched out blanket. When you add a mass to it, like a sun, or on a stretched out blanket, a ball bearing, it bends and distorts the sheet so other objects are drawn in it, around it. That'd be much like a sun draws orbiting or something to crash into it, like with gravity. But this analogy works for more things with mass. It doesn't quite work with massless things. Wait, what about things without mass? You may be thinking to yourself, things without mass, Mike has gone crazy. I am, but not that crazy. Not yet. Light, specifically photons, are massless, but they still interact with gravity, but not in a direct way. It is influenced by gravity because gravity bends space, thus making the light curve, which is traveling in space, and inter- so it interacts with the distorted space. A more appropriate analogy to describe photons, space, and gravity would be... Imagine a stream, clear, flowing water rushing down it. In this scenario, the riverbed would be space, the area being used. The water would be photons, the light traveling through that area. You have no obstruction, no objects, no mass, and therefore no gravity to disrupt the water. So it would flow straight. But Let's say we add some. We add some mass. Imagine that same flowing stream, and I had a rock, a round rock, directly in the middle. This would change the environment, the river, aka space, because I added an object with mass with it, aka sun, in this case a a rock, to the river. This rock in the middle of the river would cause the water, again the water being photons, to bend around the rock, creating a slipstream in the water, looking like a teardrop. This water... Bending around the rock is exactly how photons bend around the sun. The photons I'm talking about are not the photons being produced by our sun, but rather by distant stars and planets, incoming light from our neighboring solar systems and galaxies that are being bent and distorted around our own sun. Okay, light is being bent around our sun to look like a teardrop. How does this help us see planets light years away? This is where Einstein, Frick, and the theoretical mathematicians talking about. Gravity as a lens. Gravitational lens. See, the light coming in from distant solar systems are consistent with bending around our sun. Bending around our sun and coming to a point starting at 550 astronomical units away from the sun. An astronomical unit is the unit of measure from the earth to our sun. So one astronomical unit is the distance between earth and the sun. So 550 is big In small terms, but in a planetary scale, micro. The light bending is, again, much like how the water bends around a rock. It comes to a point, that teardrop point. And just like the water that is further out from the rock hitting it doesn't bend as much as the water close to the rock. So it gives a larger teardrop image, much larger loop. It bends at different rates, giving us multiple points. Where the light comes to a point because the light is bending at different rates depending on how far away you are from the sun all these bends converge eventually the first major one being 550 astronomical units away like i mentioned followed by another one which is the next major one 550 units from that etc 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 and all these different focal points give us a thing called a focal line nick you still with me Yes, this is essentially like, uh, so if I'm fishing for trout, I can look at the top of the river and based on what the water's doing, I can infer if there's a set of rocks below there, how fast the water's moving, big rocks, little rocks, how the rocks are arranged and where the trout are hiding without actually seeing the bottom of the river. So I'm, on this, I'm understanding. All right. I guess my rock and water analogy is pretty easy and I'm pretty proud of that, but... The light being bent and focused by our sun is distorted. It's not a clear image that comes through. It creates a ring around our sun called an Einstein ring. It is hard to see because, well, the sun is bright. Don't stare at it, folks, but yes, the sun is bright. It is similar if you've ever shined a laser pointer through water. It bends and distorts the trajectory of the laser. And because this light is coming in, it's not only bent, but it's jungled up, distorted, and you have to deal with our sun, scientists have to filter out and sort the information and imagery coming from the Einstein ring. Another problem is the scale of the Einstein ring. The sun, again, in case you didn't already know, is pretty big. It's pretty big. And the closer you are to an object, say, 550 astronomical units away, you can't see everything because you're too close to the sun. But the farther away you get from the lens, the less focus you have. So in order to take pictures and view distant solar systems and galaxies, scientists are taking multiple pictures and p- compiling them together. Similar how we compile images of the Earth when we orbit her. This process gives us an amazing image of distant planets. But this is not without some headaches. Like I mentioned already, it's hard to filter the information and compile the image. Again, it's also hard to separate the light coming from the sun compared to distant solar systems and galaxies. But a way that has been done before in the past is using a coronagraph, Which blocks out the brightest part of the sun. So you can only see the light coming around the sun. Another problem, which is kind of a big one, is humans have yet to send anything as far out as 550 astronomical units away from Earth. Let alone 550 astronomical units away from the sun. It, so that comes with its own dilemmas. Another dilemma would be how to keep the telescope in line with the sun and the solar system traveling through the galaxy. You have to keep it operational and following the sun and keep it lined up with whatever distant planet you're looking at. But gravitational lens is coming, and we have not done it to scale, but we aim to with the Hubble telescope and other planetary telescopes. We have used gravity before to help magnifying far-reaching, but never to extent of deeping deep into the galaxies that are far away and for scale on how much this improves this would be able to if we use the gravitational lens if a uh, say the next closest solar system we would be able to it's equivalent of seeing a person's tip of their human hair while they're on the moon when you're in new york city that's the scale of magnitude gravitational lenses can give us and that's how gravitational lens works we watch light come in from distant suns and galaxies, bend around our sun, and bend into a focal point. And using that focal point, we use some math, compile the image, and we're able to see far, far greatly into our this amazing thing that we call the universe. And Nick, I hope that made sense in some way. Yep. It. Uh, some people look at things that aren't there to figure out where fish are, and some people look at things that aren't there to figure out where planets are and what they look like it's all a matter of how you want to use your time so let's enjoy physics astrology, and engineering nick all right well with that being said i hope you all enjoyed and as always thank you all for listening